0: Speaking of Reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Fred Schenkelberg.
1: Good morning. This is Greg Hutchins. Hey, Greg.
0: You know, one of the funny things about a webinar or podcasts is that it's not live i guess there are some that people actually do live you know they put it on youtube and stream it on facebook and all the other stuff and you gotta fiddle with timing and advertising the live event and all the other stuff i don't know do you like our process here we get together when we can and chat and hit record and this one in particular is like oh i gotta hit record before we talk about it too much
1: <laughs> <laughs> well i prefer this you know um so a quick story about a month ago, somebody called me and said, hey, let's do a podcast. So I've been camping for three days. It was the end of summer. I look pretty grisly. <laughs> and I show up for the podcast thinking it's what we do, basically mm-hmm. sort of uh, asynchronous um, uh, voice.
0: Yeah. And we can edit it as we go. And, you know, if, if somebody rings the doorbell, we can restart. And it's, it's a lot of advantages to not live.
1: So I show up after a, what, a three, four day camping trip looking like <laughs> Grizzly a <Adams>. mammoth. <laughs> yeah, Grizzly Adams. Thanks. And he had it live streaming and he had it on video. <laughs> so, yeah, I prefer this format. It's a little bit less, uh, what do you want to call it, formal you know, uh, if I say something like an expletive, four-letter word, you can always cut that out. No, I'm yeah, just kidding. <laughs> I have to change the
0: rating on the on the show if I do that. So, yeah, we exactly. usually take
1: that out. I mean, it doesn't come <laughs> up.
0: We're we're talking shop, you know. So it's it's easy. So one of the topics that we were chatting about just a minute ago is that I, you know, you and I have talked for years, and I almost everything and and in your webinar this week is is came up again is well <laughs> that's a risk view of this you're talking about a uh, the iso uh, 42001 standard coming out and yep, yep. it it's and you made a comment of something like all of these iso standards that are moving to risk and risk frameworks and stuff like that and i we we've talked about it for years and I'm like, nah, i like no 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 Greg, it's all reliability stuff. If the product doesn't work or the system doesn't work or the process doesn't work, those are all reliability issues. And maybe that's just the engineer in me because it's a set of tools and approaches and problem solving that I can look at it and go, I can do something about this. If I just label it as, oh, that's a risk. Well, that's, it is a risk. Yeah, I get that. But what do I do about it? And so I, I maybe I'm it's just because I'm more comfortable with the engineering view uh, from from the way I look at problems. <clears throat> and I was curious, is, is am I is it really different if we change the label we put on an issue or a problem or an uncertainty or a variable or or uh, say something fails in the field? Do is it a reliability issue, is it a quality issue, is it a risk
1: issue? You know? Does it matter? Well, first of all, yeah, it does matter. And second is, I think the way we describe things, our taxonomy, the way we look at things, the way we describe things, the way we define things are important. Engineering has a fallacy. And I'll just come up with, a, with, with <laughs> and I'm one of these, um, one of them, and I'm an engineer. Um, in engineering, we assume that Conditions are stable. Uh, they're continuous. The flow is laminar. Um, well, uh, yeah, sometimes. Don't to get too picky. Yeah, we, well, we yeah. almost all, all Newtonian physics is based on that assumption. You put it in that motion, things. it'll stay in
0: motion. Yeah, I get
1: that. That's right. All laws. And then basically, let's go to the next level the thermodynamics. Basically, a lot of thermo is linear, cause and effect. And that's the same problem with reliability and quality. We assume, and we know what that means, we assume that the input, process, and outputs will be linear or laminar. The reality is they're not. When we, 90% of the problems we face as engineers are systems that are combustible. They are nonlinear. They're dynamic. They have... you know uh, they have. You know we, we, we can't even model them. Well,
0: well, I mean, there's. I I disagree that we can't model them. It's we have plenty of dynamic systems that we, you know, and systems of systems. I'm thinking of the power grid and the and the telecommunications networks and just the web itself. It's it's pretty darn
1: resilient. But they're highly constrained. Yeah. When we do the analysis, we define the constraints, the scoping. And by the way, that could be another talk. It's how do you scope a system so that's understandable, explainable, and it's preferably it's going to be laminar or linear. The reality is 99% of our systems are um, dynamic. So when we go into dynamic systems, there are uncertain. When they're in we've got risk. You know, we can't come up. Yeah. Come on, Greg. Even with the,
0: even with the setting the boundaries on it is I'm thinking of, if I create a new cell phone and, and we don't know exactly how customers are going to use it. And imagine the first batches of them, you know, as soon as they start giving, and you've got a daughter, as soon as you give a cell phone to your teenage daughter, there's a whole (laughs) new environment now. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> but what does a whole new environment mean? It means uncertainty. It means uncertainty. And, 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 whether or not we thought of it as the design team and, and part of that is that, that scoping area that, you know, what are we trying to make and who we're trying to make it for that. Yes, we try to understand what's reasonable misuse. How do we, how we expect people to use and misuse this product? And what, what kind of environments are they going to be in? And I've been a party of many products that were handheld products for all kinds of systems. And it's a easy thing to think of is somebody's going to drop this. And so what do we do? How do we deal with that? But we don't expect some operations and we get surprised. And I think, but if you don't think that through, and you're never going to get it right, I think the risk is, is is what's good enough. And so I look at it that way is that if if I got to design a product or a system or maintain it, I kind of have to make a lot of assumptions. Um, otherwise it just can't, I'll never get started. So that's why I'm saying I can do something about it if I put constraints on it. They may be wrong, but they might be good enough.
1: The const- When we go into constraints world, what we're doing is we're making the problem solvable. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, to say. whether it's that's boundary conditions, say. whether it's assumptions, whether it's who's the customer for what use, for how much use, mm-hmm. all those are constraints yeah. on the design system. Why, so that we can reduce uncertainty. Yeah.
0: No, I get that, and that's how I look at it. Is I, I at the end of the day, I got to create a product that. It's not going to cost us too much. And so I'm trying to reduce the uncertainties. And sometimes, yeah, we just have to guess. when you
1: reduce this uncertainty, your frame of reference is risk.
0: Oh, I know. I get that. You've taught me that over the years. I call it reliability. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe I like the longer syllable words. It's, I don't know. But it's, yeah, I'm trying to, the the probability of somebody dropping this thing is to the individual, I have no idea, right? If in aggregate, I start using statistics and, and, as, and some of it is observation, some of it's studies, some is looking at similar products, some of it's just guessing. Well, that's still a reliability activity to me is if I wanna design this, is they're gonna drop it once a year or is it a hundred times a year? That'll change the fundamental mechanical design of the system. When I, when I get labeled as risk, then I'm still gonna go back to this, You know, we gotta change the design. We gotta do something about it. We need to understand this risk to some degree so that we can do something about it. And I think in the risk frameworks that I've you know, read about and so on, is that <laughs> you still gotta understand the problem. What is the degree of variability that you're dealing with and what can or can't you do about it?
1: Uh, well, let me give you a sort of a comment. Uh, I'm a simple guy. I didn't go to a fancy uh, military academy. I'm just somebody who looks life through a very simple lens. Reliability, let's look at words and sort of dissect them or parse them. Reliability has one, two, three, four, five, six syllables. <laughs> I don't use words that are multisyllabic. Yeah, yeah except for one, that one. Risk is I get it. <laughs> so you like quality
0: better than reliability. It's,
1: that's right. And then I risk I like risk more than quality, obviously. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well my point is, is that if you say, well, that's risk, uh, to me that means well, there's uncertainty. Okay. And okay, so if it's a quality issue in reliability and, and it's something I probably need to talk to Diana about is, you know, they overlap, right? And I think in the risk and risk management world, they overlap. And then the when you get into the enterprise risk management, then it takes on all kinds of other realms of financial risk and global geopolitics and all kinds of other stuff come mm-hmm, into play mm-hmm. as part of what's considered um, – forming the environment that you're dealing with and all the uncertainties that can happen. There's an advantage in the reliability world to consider those greater risks, those, you know, say geopolitical stuff. I think, you know, from my point of view, if, if there is a border closing and I can't get my widgets anymore, we're going to go find widgets somewhere else. We're going to spin up another factory someplace and and get those widgets there's a huge amount of uncertainty whether that new source is going to work or not, almost certainly won't For until we get it sorted out and figure out what, what changed and go sort it out. So even though I'm looking at it as a risk part, when I'm setting up a new vendor or working with a new vendor, mm-hmm. I'm almost always focused on how consistently they can make the part or is it functional, is all those kinds of things, will it survive over time? I rarely have thought about, well, what if the border closes and we have to go somewhere else? Because I deferred that to other people that like
1: shorter words. <laughs> it's like you, <laughs> you worry about that. <laughs> well, I think it comes down to frame of reference again. Um, you know, one of the things that we've always talked about, it's been part of our conversation, is what problem are we solving? Yeah. We don't want to boil the ocean. The ocean basically is all systems are risky. Why? Because they're uncertain. Our job as reliability or quality engineers is to scope it down in terms of cost, technology, schedule. uh, um, I'm missing a couple constraints. But minimize the constraints so that the problem is defined and solvable. That's what we do as engineers. Mm -hmm. But there are bigger issues, obviously. That deal with risks such as if we are choosing a supplier, um, in quality land, uh, basically you bake buy a product and you make sure that the product we don't have to inspect it. So we go back to the plant where it's made, and we look at SPC, we look at FEMA's, we look at you know um, CPKs, you know uh, yeah. we look at particular attributes that are really critical to the customer and we say, okay, are those being, first, are they identified? Two, are they in control? Three, are they capable? And then four, how consistent are you over the long-term? That's the essential element of supplier quality engineering. But there's much bigger issues. Can you deliver the product on time? Is the cost basically competitive? Do you have secondary, tertiary uh, suppliers, just in case of this plant? you know, goes down for some reason. Right. How is the supplier managing their sub-suppliers, right? The second tier suppliers. So those are much bigger issues, each one of them in dealing with risk.
0: Yeah, no, I get that. And it's the, the, the I think my issue is, is that quality and reliability engineers, um, I don't know, is it just the way we compartmentalize it? Saying, all right, now, Greg, you take care of the, you know, second source and all the others, you folks in procurement, you deal with all that. And I'll deal with, you know, understanding whether that's a viable solution or not at a detailed level. It might be part of just my compartmentalization of there's different departments, different groups, different teams that are looking at the different levels of risk that are involved. And that might be where my frame of reference comes from, is that I've been focused on this is widget A, and is it the same as widget B if we have to replace it with it? And it's about as far as I ever get.
1: So most quality, and again, I'm generalizing, basically says, what's important to the customer? Yeah. This attribute, this attribute, this attribute. Okay, great. Let's t- take those attributes, put them into the drawing, and basically specify those in the drawing that the supplier must be able to uh, reach. You know. Uh, make the part, uh, be consistent, be capable, all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But again, that to me, that's looking at the knot hole in the tree. Really important, don't get me wrong, but there are other issues. And let's use the tree analog for (laughs) a second.
0: Is it rooted in sand that's moving down the river?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've got the knot hole in the tree, which is the quality reliability point of view, meaning the component level. And then basically there is a subassembly, assembly assembly, uh, part level and then product level. To me, that's like looking at the knot hole and then forgetting that there is a branch. The knot hole is in the branch. The branch connects to a larger branch that connects to the trunk tree and forest. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are bigger issues that we need to see. And I think that's a chronic problem in our profession and quite frankly in any of the engineering disciplines, they don't see the bigger picture. Well is
0: is this risk management and enterprise risk management, uh, I'm trying to remember what number that was. It was thirty two hundred. No. Thirty uh, one hundred. That was only a thousand off.
1: As a complete <laughs> aside.
0: All these ISO standards seem to be in the tens of thousands, except for ISO 9000, it was 1,000. Yep. Is there an ISO 8000, and what's it on?
1: Yes, there are product-level standards.
0: No, but, is, I mean, like, there's 5,500 is like, a maintenance-related uh, uh, standard. There's 4,200, which is um, AI-related. Uh, there's, is like, every industry got its own suite of the more they write, they can't write one management system generic and, you know, you use it where all these different places because they all seem very similar to each other.
1: Well, many, many years ago, um, I was a piping engineer for probably about six months. And when we were looking at pipe, and again, I spent my first 10 years as an oil and gas engineer, mm-hmm. and piping and flanges and pumps is a big deal for us, Right. Uh, especially if we get into the exotics, such as stainless 304 or something like that. But anyway, just simple piping. We have two big groups that make standards, API, American Petroleum Institute, mm-hmm. and then we have ASTM. They basically develop standards for pipe. Yeah. And by the way, when I talk pipe, I'm talking iron pipe. I'm not talking plastics. That's a whole different world. Yeah. But anyway, it's, they are similar, but they're also different. So when you're basically specifying uh, something on a drawing or basically on a drawing, uh, design drawing, you really have to specify very specifically. Is it an API pipe, Petroleum Institute, or an ASTM, American Standard. Testing material, something like that. I forgot right. the acronym. It's been like... <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> I forgot what it is like time ago. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm <laughs> having trouble. Um, the point is, the more we specify... So, like, have you done much drawing, design drawing stuff? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, I Okay. So, basically, when you're doing a design, you come up with first a 10%... Uh, what you would call a schematic type of design, right? Sort of a blue sky. And then over a period of three, six, nine months, you go from 10%, 30, 60, 90, 100% uh, in terms of your drawings, right? You become more specific. Mm -hmm. And every time you become more specific in your drawings, you basically start writing down your assumptions. You start controlling the parameters. You start defining your box, right, for your design. Why? Because you want to reduce uncertainty. Uncertainty of the materials, uncertainty in terms of the specifications. You know, is this even, you know, you come up with specs, you basically sky pluck them, right? You know, well, this type uh, to, of spec To make it kind of low. To, to see if I
0: understand it right, if, if you're moving a fluid from point A to point B, the very first schematic is just a line that says yep. it goes from here to there. <laughs> You, know, yep. you might put a valve well, on each a end. Bit,
1: a little bit more than that, but it's got assumptions, right? So yeah. that's about it.
0: But then you, deal, then you deal with, well, what kind of fluid? And then it's well, how much fluid and how fast and how pressure and temperature and stuff. And then, then you look at the catalog and go, hmm, that means I need an ASTM blah blah in order to handle that. That's right. And that that's becomes right. more detailed. And, and you, you're not going to invent a new pipe, but you need to resolve which exact pipe you want.
1: And in the process, you start defining your problem much better and the solution. Every time you're going from 10% complete to 30, 60, 90, 100% complete, you're, 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 you're constraining the uncertainty so that things are doable.
0: Well, it's also – I'm thinking of the analogy we, we were talking about. We look at things in a different lens. It's, it's, I'm, at first, I have the telescope. Or not, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and then later I have a microscope because I'm looking at very fine detail. It's different lenses.
1: Yes, and the product manager or program manager, basically his or her lens is making sure that the project or program is done on time, on budget. Yeah, I always <laughs> don't like those people.
0: They just pushy. Well, <laughs> They're but just, again, you know, I'm have an, an engineer. It's fun. not done yet. Go away. Give me more money.
1: But, <laughs> but they've got a different lens. Yeah. They've got the managerial lens. The piping engineer, he, whoever he or she is, has a, 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 what do you want to call it, a problem-solving lens for piping, you know? Yeah. That's a different type of lens.
0: And then I walk in and say, you know, if you design it that way, you can never take that flange off again because you put all <laughs> this stuff in the way, you know, you gotta, you, you gotta take apart half the building to get that, to repair that. And they, oh, no, no. And I just bring in extra constraints. I was working with an electrical engineer years and years ago, and I he would never agree to a, a you know meet. Let's meet at ten o'clock on Tuesday, kind of thing. He just never would do that, and so I would just just walk over to his office. And we all were in cubicles, so there was no doors or anything. And I'm standing in his cubicle opening there, and <laughs> he said, "Why do you keep doing these drive-by shootings?" He says, "What do you mean?" He says, "Every time you show up, you're bringing me a problem." you can't do this. Or we have to change that. Or that's not right. That won't work. He so says, well, what do you want me to do? <laughs> he says, well, bring me solutions. It's like, oh, okay. It kind of changed my point of view. It's, I was trying to help. This won't work. Yeah. <laughs> but that's usually not a good approach is just bring problems. And that's why I always look at the program managers. They always say, well, you we have to do this all-day training because it's required, but your projects still do at the end of the day Tuesday because we're moving it up. <laughs> like, oh,
1: thanks. Well, I've shared this story. I've shared this story with you before, but I'll bring it up again. I had a boss, very smart guy, engineering type of guy, who basically said, if two of us think the same, one of us is not needed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I
0: should. I I didn't. I wish I'd have known that when I was talking to Ed way back when. It's, it's like, you know. <laughs> And so I learned at that point. Then I learned, well, I need to change my frame. Is probably the right way to do it. My lens is. I said, you know, you know, Ed, if we don't change this, our yield's going to go way down, and this going to cost us X amount of dollars. Do you want me to tell your boss about that, or should I? You know, or if we make this change, it'll affect the warranty costs. And when that's really what got me into reliability in big time is because making simple changes in a design that improves reliability usually has a really big impact from a dollar and dollar and cent type point of view. Warranty is a huge multiplier for the, the cost. If, if you have a small change in, in failure rate, it can have a dramatic effect in, in the cost that, that
1: it incurs. And- So the solution is simple, change the goalposts.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, it, it didn't change the goalposts at all. It changed how I made the argument. I said, instead of saying, oh, we need to change that because it would be a good thing to do, it's in the spirit of continuous improvement. And I was working in a culture where the spirit of continuous improvement was considered a barrier or or an obstacle, something to avoid, because it just meant we never were done. Where if I could make the argument that if we make this $100,000 change, it'll save us $10 million, they go, oh, okay, let's do that. The arguments became very clear.
1: And by the way, I noticed that we're tapping into our time. So my takeaway for the audience is, I get it. Focus on the knot hole in the the limb. But don't forget the tree trunk. And where uh, the roots are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that's right.
0: (laughs) So anyway, if you're listening to this, you know, how do you look at, quality, reliability, risk, your business processes, all this other stuff. What's your point of view on this stuff? Let us know. Head over to ascendoreliability.com slash go slash S-O-R. We'd love to hear from you. And there's a couple of ways there you can get in touch with us. Greg and I and the other hosts of the show are available through LinkedIn and through our about pages. We have contact uh, details there. So please do get in touch. Let, let us know what's on your mind. What what you're looking forward to in the next uh, year or so, what kind of challenges you're facing, I'm sure there's plenty of, of material there for discussions on the show. So we'd really like to hear from you and have something to talk about that's of interest to you from your point of view. So with that, Greg, I, I, thanks for letting me know. The time was up. I was like, hmm, my car's still <laughs> idling. I'm still sitting here chatting away. Yeah, we well, could talk about
1: this for a while, I guess. Well, let me give you my parting shot. Yeah, I used to say the future of quality is uh, risk. Now I'll simply say, make it a little bit bit bigger. Future of everything is about risk.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. All right. Talk to you soon, Dave. Take care.
1: Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation. If you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show, please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review
1: on iTunes.